Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Finn Halliburton, and with me today is Andy. Hi, hi, hi. Duncan. Hey there. And Jeff. Yellow. It's the beginning of the summer 2022 anime season. It's also <laughs> technically the beginning of our... What? I got it right. Yeah, but you sounded so dead inside. <laughs> okay, look. Look, we talked about this before the episode that I'm that I'm watching two shows and I hate them both. And I don't want to get pigeonholed as the grumpy one. Uh, that's for John and then later Duncan. Mm. So I need to I need to keep it peppy. And I am peppy. <clears throat> Summer 2022 anime season. Rent-A-Girlfriend. Bastard. Uh, <laughs> Maiden Abyss season two. There's so much to talk about. Uh, this is also the beginning of our monthly schedule. I know it doesn't mm. seem like it because our last episode came out two weeks ago. But from now on, check out our episodes. The first Tuesday of every month, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. It was, I was too authoritative and instantly started to doubt myself. Yeah. Anyway. Probably should. <laughs> speaking of doubting yourself, let's talk about Rent-A-Girlfriend Season 2. Andy, why did we watch this? Because... I mean, why did I watch this? You only watched the first episode. I mean, the first season was enjoyable in how much we hated it and i think that i think that rent a girlfriend season one starts off with a, a completely pointless recap that i feel that we we because the story's not deep you mean season two sorry yeah. season two yeah story's not deep and interesting but um <laughs> it does do a very good job of reminding why you hate the main character and <laughs> i i genuinely just a feel... super cut douchebaggery <laughs> Uh, I, I genuinely feel that this is maybe kind of the point of this show. It's kind of like <laughs> Schroedenfelder for you to be like, I can be, a, I'm a better human than this guy because uh, he's pretty much constantly. Uh... Yeah. Okay. For people who didn't watch Rent-A-Girlfriend, which is a good choice, or uh, didn't follow our podcast discussion of Rent-A-Girlfriend season one. Terrible which is choice. A bad choice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Why do you do that? Then here's the summary. Um, a guy named Kazuya who has severe self-esteem, self-worth issues and severe internal monologuing issues uh, gets dumped by his girlfriend who is dating him just to break his heart after dating him for a month. Uh, he hires a rent-a-girlfriend, uh, a, a, basically a sort of escort service. Uh, softcore escort service uh, <laughs> to like go to an event or something, right? And he immediately falls totally in love with her and gets addicted to asking her out and starts dating other rent-a-girlfriends, including a girl who has a heart condition that she thinks being around him fixes and a girl who <laughs> can't really talk. Yeah. She's actually the best girl, unfortunately, because nah, of that. It's, she's the not. only person. She's the no. Hey, you haven't watched episode five and I have, so I'm true. pulling rank is, on you. Okay, uh, fine. He comes to her. Do you want a little bit of spoilers, Andy? He comes to her because he wants to buy Chizuru a birthday present. And he asks the girl <laughs> who cannot talk to help him find a birthday present for her. And she does her best. And she actually seems to like him. And she's not selfish or crazy like every other character in the show. But isn't that, isn't that how uh, Ruka, <laughs> the actual best girl, isn't that also how Whoa. she... Isn't that also how she felt for him? Because Kazuya asked Ruka to help him buy... Chizuya, Chizuru, a Christmas present. Am I right in thinking that? No, Chizuru bought him a Christmas present, the phone case. I don't know if he bought her a Christmas present in return. I've I've been frantically trying to delete as much of Rent-A-Girlfriend <laughs> as possible from my brain. Um, so anyway, in this season, 
he continues to be this weird beta orbiter around her and goes to her play after finding out about it and (laughs) thinks it's really good. But unfortunately, because we spent so much time inside Kazuya's head, Mm. it's impossible to know if she's actually a good actress or if this is just him doing his every single episode, sometimes four or five times an episode, like, oh, Chizuru's so talented and so beautiful and I couldn't possibly deserve her. I'm just scum. I'm scum. I'm scum. I'm scum. Uh, Anyway, he decides to support her by taking her out on a lot more dates, and the plot has not moved an inch forward since then. Were you not really worried that he was going to do something really fucking dumb? Like, I was just waiting for him to... Like, run up on stage? Yeah, yeah, like, jump Uh. up and do something awful on stage and be like, oh no, this isn't this kind of show. He's just going to be an weird, like, twisted insult and just cry in the corner or something. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I usually make fun of Anime News Network's reviews, but their review for the fifth ep- fifth episode, actually the review for the entire season, uh, Nicholas Dupree's doing it, and he he has it down. He suggests a drinking game, which is where every time uh, Kazuya does not go into a spiral about how pretty Ruka, uh, how pretty uh, Chizuru is when he sees her, take a shot, and you will end every episode stone sober, uh, which is <laughs> extremely true. Um, but yeah, just... It's just so hard to be like Kazuya's fine if he got out of his head and stopped being such a weirdo and maybe dated the girl who actually likes him versus the girl who Mm. has told him at least 20 times this is only a professional relationship. They are not friends. He should not contact her out of the blue. I know she showed up in his house in the middle of the night and acted like she was going to stay the night there. And then Ruka did the same thing in the next episode. Look forward to that, Andy. Oh, um, that's why wait. Ruka's not next, not not best girl. It's definitely Sumi. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it just it is wild to watch a show that is has so much confident production and yet has no forward momentum. It is literally just like laying out the dolls and letting you like imagine what would happen if a ro- if a romance anime actually happened during Rent a Girlfriend. Uh, rent a plot is what I would say. <laughs> Wayo, <laughs> two thumbs down. <laughs> Next! Uh, yeah, okay. I'm going to talk about uh, Maiden Abyss Season 2. Uh, and I'm going to have a little trigger warning up top because it's not, it doesn't start off very happy. Yeah, long-time listeners will remember, I think John... Yeah, John despises. ...talked about where this, where this show goes. And it seems like... And we, were, we had this faint hope that, like, oh, maybe they'll do better when they, anim- when they adapt it. But it sounds like... <laughs> I, I have a feeling that they've probably made it less weird torture porning, but they've definitely not reduced the content, which is that of, like, a body horror type. It is just straight-up dark horror, and it's not nice. Uh, the first episode starts with, out you chasing Reg or Rico, um, the two titular characters that you saw all the way through season one, but instead talking about this new character called Ruello, who you start off seeing right at the beginning of The Abyss, um, and it starts off with basically child rape and then mutilation. And then, yeah, it, it's it's not nice stuff. Uh, and they don't treat any children well. And it's really horrible. But there is still something really foreboding and interesting and compelling about the Made in Abyss law and world that makes you kind of go, I really hope they're going somewhere with this because (laughs) they can't just show 10 minutes of pretty horrific, like, child abuse without it going anywhere. And then it didn't go anywhere. It cut to something else. Um, So my main problem is that it didn't, as of yet, show 
it, it hasn't come to that hasn't been a point where it's actually revealed itself as being something worth showing if that makes sense <laughs> apart from just showing just how horrible people are mm. which you already kind of knew from the beginning of the first season when they were in an orphanage and you know they're all treated pretty shitty and then they ran away the other problem with season two is that it turns out you have to watch a movie before it because you know <laughs> it starts off not where the anime ends in season one and they have three movies that i didn't know i knew existed but i thought they were just recaps and it turns out two of them are but the last one isn't which is immensely frustrating because now i have to go and sit down and watch the third movie yeah that's that's the madoka model is two is two recaps and then uh and then a third movie that's all its own so you come out for the recaps stay for the new content or watch the next season and realize you have to go back and and watch a movie and it kind of just kills my progress because like when they when it went back to reg and rico and nanachi like i really enjoyed them they're a great like main cast of characters who are really fun and they are there with you just sort of like the wonder and the incredible beauty of the world that this artist has created in the abyss is really interesting and really fascinating. There's a, there's a good bit where they're stuck in a, in an elevator for like two days, (laughs) like seven days. And then they, and then it turns out that Rico needed to do a poo and then had to like work out how, how she's going to shit. And it's funny. Like it's, it's good. It's good stuff. I, ju- I just don't understand why they did that movie thing because now I've completely lost. It's because they want to. It's because they want to make you watch the movie. Like that's it. I mean, the only good thing is that it's on high dive and I can watch it. But I mm. just wish they hadn't. <laughs> you, but saying... most people don't have high dives, so that's also a risk. <laughs> I know that I complained. I think a couple of seasons ago about how we don't need recaps, but this season for me has definitely been the season of needing a recap, which we'll get onto <laughs> later later on down the road. It's also the season of of wishing that something would like make progress or do something with something bad or <laughs> that might be a theme for the rest of this episode I, d- I just wanted to ask andy is it a case where the kids in this are still all innocent innocence but the the evil comes from adults or is there any sense of because um the quarter free movie podcast, which uh, I know a lot of us are big fans of, recently did a episode on The Innocence, which is a film which has children being cruel to children. Mm-hmm. And one of the hosts uh, talked about how that was a particularly tough watch for him and how um, seeing that is just something which feels just very off-putting and very, very difficult to watch. Whereas kind of the idea of adults being cruel to children is kind of almost a trope at some level. And I just wondered, is is it just kind of like just playing into that trope? Is it just going, right, adults are all horrible people and these innocent children are like the only hope? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) the character who you see at the beginning, which is very dark, like doesn't come back in, at least in the first episode. Mm. There is de- it's definitely adults being mean to adults and then seeing a tribe and then being, I guess you could always write it off as this is the kind of piece of shit thing that they would be when, you know, you're, you're back in a horrible racist caste world that we're trying not to be. Uh, you know, they, they're pretty horrible to the, to the tribes people as well. Um, 
even though they're trying to you know save them and help them and are generally quite friendly uh it is always it's it's the it's the idea of the outside invader being a horrible nasty piece of shit that is the constant problem and similar to the adults as well yeah the the children have definitely got lost innocence and they're definitely being used it turns out that uh Vuelo has power um which is essentially the compass that points down mm-hmm. apparently she's the only one who has the power to sort of uh move it or to show where things are going so not much has really developed in her character but mm-hmm. yeah there's it's definitely not nice and it's definitely a thing of like I presume a sort of evil begetting evil as she is then horrible to everyone else who, you know, comes down into the abyss. A certain Um, amount of nature versus nurture going on. Yeah. And then very much siding on, on the idea that uh, violence perpetuates more violence. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I don't know. I I couldn't, I have yet to find out to tell you, Mm -hmm. Um, but I will do because I will watch I will watch the movie and I will catch up on season two by the end of by the season ending because I like I do like it I I am enjoying it even though there's horrible stuff in it I do like it I think there's some really good things in there I just don't know why <laughs> Do you think if the if the character designs were less deliberately iconic and cartoony you'd and childlike do you, like do you think if if they were less like almost video gamey like how how it is now is it looks like a zelda or something if it looked like a dark souls instead <laughs> of looking like a, a zelda i don't know how else to put it but if it if it looked as grimy as its story is do you think it would be more palatable because you expect that but because it's all bright primary colors and i think to answer your question i feel that that is part of the horror aspect that this show is trying to go for where it's trying to subvert your expectations. It starts off thinking it's going to be a nice jolly jaunt, but actually it's a horrible, like, fucking death trap that very few people survive. Um, like, the the first season is also not nice. You know, like, mm-hmm. Rico gets her arm broken, and I think, or is it Reg, and they have to, like, snap it back into place, mm-hmm. and it's pretty nasty. Like, they don't... It doesn't pull its punches with sort of the body horror and... And, and the horrible shit that happens in the show. It's not, you don't really enjoy it, but that is kind of, I guess, what you're in for the ride. You're in mm. for the idea of exploration and the mystery of the abyss, which is really palpable and really interesting because the author has some incredible, like, ideas, some beautiful set locations and some absolutely, like, fucking... Elden Ring when you go down under what is that Faramazula like like that <laughs> it's absolutely fascinating and exciting every time they go somewhere new and you know every time you meet a new character like Nanachi you know you, you they're all really interesting and fun and strange and unique and I like them all I just kind of don't understand <laughs> why why there's so much horrific shit happening to a children in the first episode it's just not nice Mm -hmm. it's because it's the author's jam though like i i kind of buy john's thesis that he just likes it he likes children in kind of slightly sexualized slightly horrific peril Mm -hmm. yeah probably um (laughs) i i would i kind of just want to hope not and just feel that it's he just wants to 
really emphasize the true horror of humanity you know and and the way that what people do to further their own goals of wealth and fame and power but i i don't know if that was the case for this one character <laughs> this one character's introduction <laughs> yeah. because yeah it was it was hard it was a hard watch um but it did in a way nicely remind you about the bleakness and and the grossness of the real world and the interest and <laughs> their only way is to go the only way to get out of it is to go down a fucking hole that they have no idea what's at the bottom of i also am i remember think right in thinking so this is like another thing that i love about the the anime that i completely forgot the first season they there's like a an abyss curse where if they go up they yeah they become sick and then they they can't do anything mm-hmm. um which is actually nicely sort of saying nicely but it it was it was well like it it they showed someone do it by like climbing up a hill to get a better look and then falling over and like being sick and I'm like oh yeah that's a thing but I also thought that either Reg and Rico are are immune to it or children are immune to it and I can't remember which one it was <laughs> I think it's children <laughs> I think it is children I don't want to give the reason why I think I know the answer to this but uh, it also has to do with another of John's interests. Uh, yes no i think it's i think it's children um, yeah which unfortunately is, uh, yeah it is uh i i can only say that i like it but i will also say like put huge trigger warnings over it which is like season two does not start pretty and i don't think it's going to get any prettier but it's definitely going to get more interesting um and i think that yeah that you hope i hope because mm. like there's no way you sit through all this i don't know I'm, it's hard because i also like <laughs> There's no other anime that I can think of that that does this kind of stuff for, I guess, good reason. But well, I mean, for good reasons, you don't really want to show that. But also, like, he must have a reason for putting it in. I can't think of what it is now, but at yeah. some point, hopefully, it will make sense. I I don't think it will. Watch this space. Like, I'll let you guys know. <laughs> Sadly, the ability to craft an interesting and unique uh, world doesn't necessarily mean you're not a complete. And not a pedo pervert. Agreed, so. agreed. Um, I'm still going to sit through and watch it. I'm surprised that... I'm genuinely surprised that they put it in. Um, but I, I assume it relates to this person's backstory enough to, to have it in there. So mm. um, yeah, so enough of miserable stuff. Yeah. Let's talk, <laughs> let's, talk, <laughs> let's talk about something that I think everyone is watching and enjoying Call of the Night. Yeah. I'm not watching it, but you're not watching I'm going it. to I watch thought, it. I thought out of everyone here, Ben would be the one to watch it because it's the artist. Is it a vampire thing? Y'all have gotten really into vampires, and that's just that's it. That ain't yeah, me. But Sorry. It... I'm the one who was most hyped about it, but hasn't got around to watching it because I, I've been saving it as like I, I want to watch it when I've got time. I can sit down, I can enjoy it. Mm. Like, yeah. So is it worth it? Is it worth it, Andy? That's that's the important question. Don't okay. don't spoil it for me. And if you say there's a right answer here, now say the right answer. Go. <laughs> So, yes. In a way, I think, yes. I, I am enjoying Yay. it. I thought that Ben would be interested in because the mangaka was the same person who did... Um, the Gashi Kashi. The, yeah. the Gashi Kashi, which is... And you can see his influence in the character design very heavily. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, this is also... Um, the idea for this anime on the manga came out due to a song by Creepy Nuts, which is the ending song called Call of the Night, which he listened to, had like 
real like inspiration to write this manga and then also asked creepy nuts if uh he can use the name of the show as a direct reference to this song and he was like oh cool mm. yeah sure thing which i thought was really fucking cool um i think the the song was recorded in 2014 and then the manga came out in 2016 anyway it's about a uh, a high schooler ko yamori who is having difficulty sleeping, becoming a bit of a recluse, a shut-in at school after refusing to accept someone's uh, love confession. And so he then felt shunned because everyone was like, why did you turn her down? Like, she's cute, what's wrong with you? And, and she felt pushed out of that society. So she's, he started becoming recluse and then started the first episode with him stepping out uh, in the middle of the night, his parents don't know, and he tries to buy some alcohol at a vending machine whereby he meets uh, Nazuna Nanakusa, who is a vampire. And basically, she takes him to her house, watches him sleep, and then, you know, feeds off of his blood like a vampire would. And then he decides to become a vampire because it's actually like the thing that he really likes is, is the night and, you know, her so she says you know i want to become a vampire and the response being the only way you can become a vampire is by falling in love with a vampire um and then having a bite from yeah no it's fine having (laughs) and then being bitten by that vampire and so you have this relationship then emerges where ko and uh, nazana sort of develop a bond and a friendship and he goes out to the night and basically meets some like supporting cast who are just appearing, which are about his other classmates. And uh, I really like it. I think the only complaints I have is it's really slow. The pacing is really slow. The mm-hmm. first episode is the first chapter and it shows. There's a lot of Shaft-like Shimbo-isms that I think they are trying to hide the pacing, which is wild because there's no need to have it this slow. It gets faster. Like second episode felt that it was going at a decent pace, but it still felt too fucking slow. And the third episode was also at a pretty decent pace too. I just wish it was a bit faster. Yeah. I should have been keeping better track. Cause I know that, uh, the, the guy who writes on Ogue maniacs, uh, mm. which is one of the few anime blogs I follow. He really liked the manga and I like those spiral eyes, but I just, I don't, <laughs> vampires don't do much for me. Unfortunately, I watched most of true blood and that kind of was like, okay, I'm done with vampires. <laughs> but I mean, I let someone else speak in a bit, but I, I find that the <laughs> character design of uh, Nazana is really good. Like absolutely like endearing. I'm kind of horny, but not totally like, fucking skeeve fest and uh yeah i think i think that like their relationship uh is very sweet and enjoyable to watch i like their conversations i just wish it was a bit faster and it does get better after episode one even then i i feel like could have squeezed two parts in one season and i think a lot of it is to do with the script writer who was also worked on takashi kashi but She's also worked on a lot of stuff that I remember seeing, like Osamatsu-san and like a lot of stuff where they it is slow, like like Ikemusume. I mean, it sounds like gag stuff where you don't really have to move anything forward. And there are good gags, but just wish it would get more into sort of the supporting cast and everybody else, and it just doesn't. Oh, like Haranochigu, 
That's the other thing. And yeah, like a lot of gag shows, which is fine because it is funny, but it needs to, it really needs to speed up, speed it up. Um, the other, and sorry, one last thing. I really like the background art personally. I, I don't know how Jeff and Duncan <laughs> feel. Well, Duncan hasn't watched it, but I don't know how Jeff feels, but like the background art is really beautiful. It uses these lovely like neons. Every shot is like a neon purple, a neon yellow like a neon green and it really it really does romanticize the night in a way that you don't really see as sort of and it makes the visuals very unique and i quite like that but mids think that it gets in the way and i can also agree with her there um Mm. how did you feel jeff um i i mean visually i think the show is interesting i at, at first i thought it felt kind of cheap but i think i just instinctively associate like very thin lines and like borderline monotone or monochrome with like cheapness but i agree with you that like a lot of the shots look like you know stylized color covers for you know like manga takobans or uh like light novels like that kind of sort of like visually striking appeal that makes it jump off of a a bookshelf Mm. but I, I could agree that, you know, sometimes it kind of trips over itself. You know, it's it is very shaft like in its sort of like visual flares and little uh, like cutaways to like, you know, mouths and things like that. Yeah. And so I think a little bit of that is carrying over because the director also worked on like Monogatari and stuff like that. And so I think they sort of learned their trade like doing that. Like the the director. This actually this actually the whole studio Linden film. Um, they're all X shaft. Oh well, that makes sense then. Yeah, and, and you see the stuff that they've they've done. Like, yeah, they're all X shafters. Uh, you can make a very shallow comparison to Monogatari, where it's like, oh, this sort of somewhat recluse boy, you know, meets a vampire and it changes his life, and then blah blah blah. But like for the most part. At first, I was like, oh, it's another show about a 14-year-old who, like, has to spend half the season figuring out what the sensation of love even means. And I'll... <laughs> But there's also, like, a little bit more going on where, you know, the night is sort of cast is this way to reject, like, growing up, a way to reject society. Like, you get the sense that uh, Nazana is almost like a Peter Pan kind of character where, you know, she gets to do whatever she wants. She drinks beer, you know, but she still has the mentality of a teen who is sort of like, you know, rejected growing up. Mm. And then you have his childhood friend, Akira, who is in sort of a similar ennui spiral as he is, but wants, you know, she wants to grow up. She wants to have a proper life with everybody else. And she wants uh, Ko to come back and like, grow up as well and so you have that sort of you know you know the love triangle is also kind of like you know does he want to stay and wallow in selfishness and be a monster in the night and drink blood or does he want to like be a proper person and that's kind of like him at that crossroad is where we are and the fact you know the fact that he's a 14 year old i think it would be very difficult to have this story be about somebody older which is like very rare for an anime mm. like a lot of times it's just there for aesthetics and because you know that's what tests well but this feels like it sort of earns it being about younger kids and you know it, it doesn't like it doesn't so much glamorize the night as it does like it makes it relatable as like oh yeah this feels like an escape that would be appealing to a 15 year old so like you know it makes you know this makes sense you know this dynamic makes sense for the story so jeff you you make it sound like it's almost kind of a, a rejection of coming to age uh like it's 
as you see, you mentioned Peter Pan, and like that's obviously a, a story where there's this thing like if you stay in Neverland, you never grow up. So if you if you mm-hmm. if he stays in the night, he never grows up. He never becomes part of society. He never has to deal with other people's expectations. Mm-hmm. Is is that so far very much what it's playing into? Yeah, like Nazna is more or less the embodiment of that. Like you get the impression that she is much older than him chronologically, but mentally and physically, she is right on par with him. And, you know, she has fun sort of like getting him riled up because, you know, she's like, oh, me drinking blood is like food, but it's also like sex. And, you know, she likes to make him uncomfortable. But when he turns it around and says like, oh, I think you're cute. You know, she blushes like Mm -hmm. a schoolgirl herself. Like, yeah. And it's we haven't really gotten any like supernatural reasons for like why that might be. You know, so far, it just seems like, you know, her character is the delinquent night dweller who has decided not to grow up as opposed to oh she's a monster and these are like the supernatural rules of this and the fact that they're very sort of cagey about what the rules are there's no like so far you know the secret society of vampires and they have to like deal with the politics and like none of that has come up and i hope it never does no um i've I've probably doomed myself now that i've said that out loud because this you know (laughs) this has to go on for a while so there has to be some kind of supernatural conflict i'm sure I have a feeling that the conflict's going to be revolving mostly around him and him trying to go back to school yeah. and meeting his schoolmates as they do early morning runs. I There is mention of other vampires, but it's mostly a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think that it it will just be that. The other thing that I do really like is they, they, they bought rights for Creepy Nuts songs, which if you don't know is a pretty famous uh, rapper in japan and uh, they're really abusing that yeah. and for good reasons like yeah those creepy nuts songs are bangers and <laughs> it's just a shame though that like we get an episode where you're listening to you're watching it and then it will every episode has an opening creepy nuts song a closing creepy nuts song and then somewhere in the middle there'll be panning shots of them walking through streets or nazana flying and it will have another creepy nuts song on there it's like Mm. they're contractually obliged to fit three creepy nuts songs in and it's (laughs) it's amazing how it makes time go fast but yeah and Andy, the the way you're you're you have been talking about that, and also what Jeff has talked about about uh, the role of of Nazina in the, the show reminds me a lot of um, FLCL, like this really strongly musically driven show with a, a soundtrack with a single artist soundtrack yeah. um, about with a a manic not quite a manic but yeah in with Haruko is is, is a manic pixie <laughs> dream girl like that like, uh, uh, basically th- yeah and it sounds like um uh, Nazuno is is kind of filling that same niche yeah like it's it's very much a similar sort of place to find itself and it, it, it's it's less about her trying to like pull him into the night because you know she comes across as being more or less indifferent in his mm. desire to be a vampire you know she says that like oh yeah other vampires like to collect you know scions like trophies on the wall but i don't really care you know she you get the sense that like she finds his blood to be delicious and you know it's doing the like you know blush and look away anytime things get like lovey-dovey but she isn't like luring him out she isn't like 
whenever he gets sort of like he seems to be interested in going back to you know the day world you know it sort of hurts her feelings because you feel you know it, you get the sense that she's feeling rejected by that more than it's her like nefarious intent to draw him away from that hmm. and the same is true of haruko in flcl she's not really in- interested in him at all it's, it's just kind of like yeah there's something in him that she wants and you know yeah <laughs> she's happy to have him tag along if he feels like it but I would say also the other thing about Foodie Coolie and uh, the pillows and Call of the Night and Creepy Nuts is um, the pillows basically did the whole soundtrack. But then, you know, the way that the pillows music was in Foodie Coolie, it was like constantly going through and it was very much like background music, background noise, as well as like, like, you know, the ending song and a lot of like really powerful moments are linked with some of the best pillows songs and anime soundtracks ever. And I feel that Call of the Night doesn't do that. Okay. It very much is is kind of like we've just bought the rights for these Creepy Nuts songs and Creepy Nuts is really popular. So if we put more Creepy Nuts in, people are going to be happy and they're gonna, and we also don't lose our money. It felt less of like a design or like a philosophy, like something that they wanted to try and do and more of like a production level of, we spent a lot of money on this thing, guys. Let's put as much of this thing in than we can. Okay. <laughs> so, so it sounds like it's, it's less ambient and more, this is the moment the soundtrack kicks in. Yeah. 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 They're like needle drops in like a lot of like modern okay, action movies. That makes where, sense. But it's for like this one specific band. Like, yeah, like what mm-hmm. Andy was saying, like if it fully coolly, it feels more like a creative cl- collaboration. Whereas in this, it, they're just like, we got some songs, we're going to play them. <laughs> we're a fan of this guy and we like him. Yeah. And, and you know, the pillows like really does make Fruity Cooley unique. But then also you, you, you listen to the OVA, the anime soundtrack and it's got its own like lyrics and vocals that they just take out. And they don't do that in Creepy Nuts stuff. And then I think they have their own different soundtrack for when they're not trying to play Creepy Nuts. Which is fine, but it's just... Are weirdly notable anyway well if uh no one has anything else to say about cool of the night shall we move on to overlord season four uh lord four overlord <laughs> overlord which for me is continuation of ein's own goals existence in a world uh where he is a uh an evil lich and my problem with uh, the anime, the season four anime is I can't remember what the fuck's going on because it's been ages <laughs> and it's the fourth season of something. And now he's got a town. Now all of a sudden he's just doing like slime stuff. Like he's just like going through ministerial mm-hmm. notes. And there's a good joke at the beginning where he can't read the writing. So he just stamps things and hopes that it's all right. Uh, and. <laughs> Yeah, it's... that's a, that's a good Ains joke. Like the, 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 everyone thinks he's he's that's that's always the Ains joke that everyone thinks he's hyper competent, but he's just winging it. Yeah, and uh, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I I don't know. I I really had. I really genuinely struggled to remember what the fuck was going on. The last thing I remember was that giant like mouth elephant things were destroying a country. <laughs> That's all I remember of season three. Uh, and I had to really like, I had to go and find a YouTube video to give me a recap of the last three seasons of Overlord so I can remember where I was. And I still don't understand how he got uh, a town. I, I don't know where this fucking town came from. 
But um, yeah, he's now doing other stuff, and there's a good bit where we're following Albedo try and like uh, in infor- like try and win over another country, um, and that's a good bit. It's Overlord is the best when it doesn't follow Ains and it follows all the characters who actually are evil and and have their own thing going on. Mm-hmm. And then Momonga, which is like his paladin, like good character, adventurer character, where it became that he got a lot of like legendary goodness, like and legendary adventurer levels. Uh, that's kind of like the the more boring side of things. I don't know. Uh, how is everyone else feeling about season four of Overlord? Feeling like I was looking forward to watching it. I feel like I was looking forward to watching it more until you you des- described some of that, which has made me a little more more hesitant. Like I think that the appeal of of Overlord has always been Ains completely basically digging himself a deeper and deeper hole uh, mm. by mm. just by just having used to be playing it thinking he's playing a game and everyone else taking it deadly seriously and him this background um thing going on with the way that the world seems to be evolving from a game to a more fully fledged world like we we know that some of the things which we know he went into a game but we don't fully know how much of game rules this world still follows. Like, I, I remember yeah. me and John, I not really loved the moment in, I think it was season, I think it was season three, where they, they gifted this, this uh, horn to someone, uh, which summons some goblins and, and she was just like, mm. oh, well, this summons a couple of, of goblins who fight for us. And they, they, one episode, they blow it, and it just summons this entire goblin army. And they, you've got half an yeah. episode where they're all, like, trooping the colours past the village. And it's just this great <laughs> thing. With, like You're expecting, like, this motley crew of three or four goblins, and you get, like, an entire uh, battalion of them. And, and it's those little moments where the rules of the game have, have slightly changed and evolved are always the interesting yeah. moments. Yeah, and I'm not. I, and them settling down into a city kind of sounds like it's not going to engineer as many of those moments. But I don't know. I, Diplomacy I, is interesting, I guess. Yeah, and and it, <laughs> and it is now moving on to like. So there's a bit more di- diplomatic stuff where there was a quite good bit where remember the blonde guy, yeah, he uh, who's the owner of the who basically surrendered to the uh, world, the kingdom of magic, which is. Now, um, Iron's own skull's kingdom that he's got. Um, there's a very good bit where he tries to sort of set up a secret meeting, uh, and then only to turn out that the fight that they're watching is his greatest fighter versus Iron's own goal himself. And then he like he goes into a mental breakdown and starts losing his hair. Uh, there is unfortunately this other thing that I really don't care about, which is. Um, there's this now. There's a secret. There's a secret bunch of people who are trying to destroy Ains because he's made himself public, and they know and they view him as a threat, which is correct. But I'm just like, of course, there's a secret group of, you know, Illuminati like excellent people who are secretly controlling the world or something. And I'm, um, uh, I'm kind of, I don't know. It, it kind of 
made my enthusiasm yeah. similar. Well, at, like, at least sour. the lizard men were season two. So can... Yeah, but the <laughs> yeah. lizard men were fun. Like I enjoyed the lizard men arc because it was it was fun to see someone that was a COVID fight. deniers joke, Andy, which, which thankfully oh, okay. in, in a good way you didn't get. Uh, uh, yeah. Lizard men control <laughs> yeah. the world, Andy. Did you did you not oh, know that? Oh, right. I thought you were talking about the lizard men of season two. I was uh, as well. Was a, I thought you were talking was... about the lizard men from from slime because it sounds a lot like slime. So. <laughs> but the lizard I mean, men all of arc, the above. The lizard men arc of of season two, I thought was really good because it mm-hmm. shows that like the world is um, like the the world is actually fighting back against Ainz, and Ainz doesn't always win, and the you know, it, it just shows that there are weaknesses and I really enjoyed that. Similarly, like going back to Slime, there's a thing where they fought the Ainz is like, oh, so, you know, any intelligent creature or enemy is not allowed in the cities. Well, I'm going to create a world where everyone can be invited, including the goblins. If, if they're peaceful, they're welcome here. Because we've got demonic <laughs> zombie things, you know, like death knights who can walk around and any normal person can't fight one. Um, so it's like this weird thing where you're like, okay, you're just doing what Slime is doing, but you've also now got, like, evil shit walking around. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I mean, it, there's still a lot to enjoy. It's still Overlord. It's still got the great characters you know and love. Uh, I just, yeah, wish there was a recap and kind of i'm not thrilled but then i also remember seeing starting every overlord season and being like i'm not thrilled but i always really like it like the great thing about overlord is when all these pieces like you're watching it and you're like i don't really know why people are doing this and what's really happening but then it all kind of coming together and then ein's just somehow fumbling his way through um he just kind of owns it and makes it all look like it's him doing it on purpose. And really mm. it's just like a very good luck. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the first few seasons at least were very much about Ainz knowing the systems of his game mm. perfectly. And then yeah. slowly but surely the systems of those games and his expectations for those systems in this Isekai world started to slip and him becoming a little bit less sure-footed time by time and he's still still making it work but he it's a, a nice take on the the sky way it's 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 like him someone not getting his power isn't necessarily increasing it's no. he his like normally the things oh they get their they they get their their special isekai powers and they level up over time was slowly Ains's like innate mastery of the game is becoming less and less useful and he's he's still mm. get, gaining followers but his personal like um command of the world is becoming less and that's kind of interesting like he's it, it very much feels it's setting him up for a fall like most of them so far are just pratfalls just minor minor mistakes but there's this this tension that maybe one day it really is going to catch up with him and something major is going to go wrong. And that's something you don't feel with a lot of East Five shows. Just like our Prime Minister, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, God. Uh, Boris. I... Boris <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 uh, sorry. 
And he's disarmed, I think. Speaking speaking of being disarmed, (laughs) Jeff? I've been watching Licorice Recoil. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The the show that dares to ask, like so many anime, what if a girl had a gun? And (laughs) also was gay. But only as gay as anybody ever is in anime, for the most part. Um, Licorice Recoil is, you know, posits a, like either like a near future or a parallel world where Japan has like a more or less idyllic society because they have secret death squads of high school girls murdering anybody who is like antisocial. Uh, so like, you know, on you know, you, you have like you know you know, arms dealers and stuff like that. But it's also implied that it's like, oh, there's a vagrant sleeping on a, you know, on a bench and, you know, a high school girl walks by and a bus goes by and then, you know, that guy disappears or they're like shooting somebody in a bush. And so it's kind of like, <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, and then, you know, hard switch over to the, you know, sort of freelance problem solvers of, you know, the licorice recoil uh, cafe, who are all sort of like ex-members of this government death squad, including the new girl who is her sort of like audience surrogate who got, you know, similarly rejected from her own team in the DA. I can't remember what DA stands for. I don't know if they've ever actually said as much, but, you know, she, Alliance. She, <laughs> yeah, she like, you know, she, you know, she was a loose cannon who, you know, broke the rules mm. and, you know, blew away all the bad guys to save one of their own. And, you know, all the bad guys being shot created this big problem. And so they had to like pin it on her. And, you know, her arc is, you know, wanting to get back in and then realizing that, you know, being a good person and, you know, doing things and thinking for yourself is not so bad. And, you know, so she gets like shunted over to these like sort of problem solvers, you know, one of the other girls is uh, named Shishato, who uh, she is more or less Vash the Stampede in that she is like supernaturally, you know, able to shoot people with guns in a way that is not lethal. You know, she chooses to use these rubber bullets that wildly, you know, make it more hard for her to fight, but she doesn't want to kill anybody and also wears red and has blonde hair to sort of like drive the the parallels a little bit further. I don't know if it's, it's if it's intentional necessarily, but I you know, seeing the Vash the stand or the the, the Trigun trailers, I was like, oh, this character seems very similar. And <laughs> and for the most part the show is very light fair. You know, there's lots of like big action scenes and they're lots of fun. Like it's really nicely done. You know, the, the dynamic between uh Chisato and Takina, the girl who gets, you know, you know, joins the team is fun. You know, there's like, you know, there's lots of opportunities for people to take, you know, screenshots and be like, these people are gay. And I'm sure that's not by accident. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a fun show. It's and I would recommend it so far. Like there's nothing like objectionable about it. You know, everything is just sort of enjoyable and well made. <laughs> I don't have a whole hell of a lot that's deep to say about it, you know, other than like Whoa. maybe if maybe if you're put off by like the inherent fascism of the weird sort of like insistence that like, oh, we've made a nice society by killing, 
you know, all the people who are a problem. And, you know, they're sort of like creeping into the fact, you know, sort of trying to back into like, maybe that's not the best way of doing things. Maybe the fascistic underground society who kills everybody maybe isn't all they're cracked up to be. And I'm sure that's where <laughs> the, the series is going. But hmm. uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes. But so far, so good. Wow. And wow. I, I recommend it. Yeah. Talking about stuff that isn't so well made. Uh, Devil is a part timer season two. A good nine <laughs> years in the waiting. Uh, I can't believe. Jeez, really? Yeah. So Devil is a part timer wow. season one was was very enjoyable. It was about mm-hmm. uh, reverse isekai where a, a demon lord um, becomes uh, gets transported from the world where he's just about to be defeated, and then instead goes to the real world and then starts becoming a. Uh, a, a work worker for whack donald's um and yeah it's it's uh it's it's you know the first season i i felt was a <laughs> sort of standout for the time that it came out um which was hold on uh like all the way in 2013 uh it was really good uh, i really enjoyed it um and uh, it ended on a very good, like, very safe place where there could be more, and there wasn't for years until now. Uh, there's a lot of reasons as to why people think there wasn't any more. The running theory is that the light novel author just really liked that arc and didn't really want it to go any further because maybe he just wasn't very proud of what he did afterwards. But that's beside the point. We've got it now, and there's a child involved uh, who comes out of nowhere. <laughs> Uh, and it also feels ridiculously cheap. And that is because it's a different studio. Uh, well, Studio 3HZ, which has done uh, one of our favorites. It's done Sword Art Online Alternative. It's done Princess Principle. It's done, I think it did Flip Flappers, but I might be thinking of something else. Um, yeah, it did. It did do Flip Flappers. Uh, so you know they're a good studio when they get. The I mean, budget. a lot of those shows are not ones I would necessarily class as as good, but um, yeah, the, the, well, unfortunately, the, the fact well, that the director they, uh, did both uh, Sword Art Online and Working, and you combine the two, and you get this, it seems to be seems to be <laughs> sure. Well. But but the um, Sword Art Online alternative, I'm pretty sure Ben spoke very highly for throughout all of it uh it 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 didn't end up sticking the landing but it it was a very exciting and fresh change up to the sword art online Uh, formula and so um i don't know if it's necessarily the studio it may be the source material but here you're saying that the source material and the studio both really aren't measuring well or at least that's what i gathered it's not because of the studio basically uh in japan the only reason the only reason this got a second season is because in japan there was a new streaming service and they have got the exclusive rights to Hataraku Maosama Season 2, um, which oh. is why it's very cheap, because even though they have the exclusive rights, they do not have the exclusive money to put behind this show to make it look anywhere near decent. It's notably cutting corners, and it's upsetting that even from episode one, stuff doesn't really feel right or look right. But the the characters are still back and they're still very enjoyable and still very you know like their relationships bouncing off each other is still a lot of fun so it's good that it's back i just wish it 
had the same budget that it did in season one, uh, which it's not, it's not going to get. But maybe if this streaming platform in Japan picks up, then maybe they'll get uh, you know more more budget for season three if that ever happens. Uh, um, sad to hear. Yeah. I, I was yeah. I was looking forward to seeing um, uh, the Devils a part timer because it 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 did nail its comedy. It had uh, and yeah and. The comedy stuff is that, like, don't get me wrong. The the voice actors are back. They're all good. The comedy is still solid. Like, everything you like is still solid, but it's just not as visually polished as it was before. It's kind of like one punch. It's it's not as big a change because at the end of the day, the first season wasn't exactly a stalwart yeah. of animation, but it's kind of like One Punch Man season one and One Punch Man season two. It's not that big a difference, but it is a notable difference to the point where you're like, this feels cheap because it is, but it's still good. I, I hate that sink, that sneaking feeling of like, I would be enjoying this more if they had a better budget and you feel unfair in a way sometimes yeah. to be like, well, I should be able to lift my brain to a higher plane and just appreciate this <laughs> as a miracle that it exists at all. Mm -hmm. But now you can never really yeah. dodge it. I think it's the same, the same with, you know, when Jojo went to like my favorite arc of Jojo went to straight to Netflix and that is very cheap to the point where they don't even animate them running. Uh, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, but it's my favorite Jojo. So I'm just going to sit and watch Jolene, uh, not be animated very well or uh, at all um there's and... no ex excuse there for netflix because they're not exa exactly a, st a small startup company like this this other stream no but services. they're not exactly the the money bags that they used to be and why would they and they also don't want to back a horse which let's face it netflix is not very big in japan they're backing it to try and get more japanese viewers and they don't want to put the money in because there's not going to be any returns abroad Right. Uh, it's a catch 22 of like they want a they want a bigger viewer base so they're sponsoring like prestige series but they don't want to put a lot of money in those prestige series because they don't have a big viewer base. Yeah. Um and especially now that Netflix is getting so cheap canceling most of its own homegrown animation. I can't imagine that the coffers are wide and, open for and, e <laughs> and even then like the 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 big hitters that they they had like Sex Education which is really good for se three seasons like Half of the cast aren't turning back. Like the the majority of the cast, I think even some of the main cast are not coming back to season four, which is like, so what are you? What have you got there? Because if you haven't got the main cast, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I will say that I've also been catching up with, or I've caught up with Devil's a part timer, and the second, like the first season, had more of the sort of workplace comedy aspect to it whereas with mm. the introduction of the baby a lot of it is sort of like young parent style comedy which is like you know it's it's an interesting sort of like shifting of gears like i think there's like in three episodes there's been like maybe five minutes where they've actually been inside the walk donald's but <laughs> yeah and they're that, also like that... trying to like you know they're trying to like jumpstart a bunch of other sort of like side characters getting together sort of dynamics going on and like i feel like it's been sort of a slow start and i'm mm. i want to see where it goes you know it's you know a classic sort of late novel situation where it's like you know new book new arc and sometimes it takes a little bit to get going but it maybe it's like it's 
sort of like snafu where they had like not enough material to stretch out into a whole season. So hopefully it won't suffer from that. But, but it's wild because they do because there's loads of fucking books that they haven't true. bothered yeah, animating. Like right, twenty-seven there's, books. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's it's more like that thing where it's like, but we haven't been on air for nine years, so people have unless you're a fan of the volume, the the light novels and the manga or the manga, like you don't remember any of these fucking characters. Which again, a recap would have been nice. Which I think there yeah. is. I can't remember. I have a feeling there isn't. But again, a recap would have been nice, Satoraku Malsama. Um And also, this is how old it is. I'm calling it by the Japanese name because that's the one. That's when I was, you know, it was a lot harder to get legally animated back in the days. Um, right, right. Yeah. Um, anyway, moving Speaking on. Speaking of things uh, from 17, 18 years ago, um, should we talk about <laughs> the... Um, Isekai Oji-san, or Isekai or Uncle, uncle, yeah. uncle, Uncle from Another World. Um, or just Isekai who, Uncle, I think. Yeah, which has the right. plot of Takafumi's uncle gets run over when uh, he's 17, gets sent to an, an Isekai world, and now has returned when he's he's like 34. And so it's, yeah. it, he, it's half culture shock uh, of someone coming from the... The turn of the century to um, our modern world and and being amazed at smartphones and and such and half someone from uh, Sega era uh, gaming going to a Nisekai world and completely failing to to do what we all yeah all all think is the correct thing because he's he was a, a proper otaku and he didn't unlike most most isekai protagonists he didn't adapt his ways he just continued doing the things he had always done and <laughs> he still sort of succeeds but he yeah. succeeds while at the same time doing not succeeding at any of the things which are supposed <laughs> to see succeed in, in the isekai I, I yeah i really like isekai uncle um i think but also interestingly cheap like it's a very cheap anime production uh and yeah. you can really tell um mm-hmm. Again, I think another Netflix original. That's the only reason why I could think of that being the case. But yeah, the uncle coming back to life, having all these magical powers, and then being a YouTuber by a abu- by <laughs> you know using these powers to make like stupid videos is great. But then everyone but doesn't believe that he's got these powers because they just think that it's all you know special effects and after effects. Uh, I really like. Isekai Uncle. I think it's very funny. I think it does very well what little budget it has, which feels mm. like mostly spending it on Sega because it's a very good <laughs> joke that keeps on re- coming back where the uncle like wakes up from his 17 years in slumber and the first thing he asks is how Sega doing in the console wars and then he has to be like told very gently that actually they'd stop making consoles almost directly after you got Isekai and then then he (laughs) does this thing and he does this thing where he uses a magic spell to forget horrible things and like traumatic <laughs> stuff, so he then just casts it on himself to forget that Sega Tonings are no longer popular. <laughs> it, it's such a dumb joke, but it keeps coming back, and every time it's really funny. I I really love the dumb Sega joke that just runs past, runs throughout the show. 
Uh, it's right, and it's timeless. It's timeless Rip Van Winkle humor. So yeah, that, <laughs> but I, I, mobilized for the stupid thing that's the console wars. And also, I I, uh, I love the ongoing gag that like he went to an RPG world, but he only ever played action games. And so, yes, like yeah, he when does. he like you know he it gets confronted with all the very obvious tropes of like oh here's a girl and she's all sad and she mm, has the magic mm. sword he needs. So he you know she says I need this bloom from this like from this like distant mountain. <laughs> But he just like goes straight to the dragon without the magic sword yeah, and like learns yeah. all of his attack patterns and beats him anyways. <laughs> and, then, and just comes and back. Then, and everybody's like, uh, we're, we're very grateful. And they look over and like the sad girl is still all like cursed by the, you know, the ice sword that she's been like shackled to. And then she's like, you know, what should I do now? And she's like, do whatever you like. And so she just like becomes a villain. With <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought she just became more recluse. And there's like yeah. a very good bit where it's like, you don't have to, you don't have to be shackled. Uh, like you can, you yeah, can to do other people's you expectations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, great. And then it's like, you can even stay inside if that's what you want. And she's like, oh, great. That's what I'll do. And then she like gives him an ice sword. And he's like, here, take this present. It's like, the a really powerful ice sword, and his response is, "No, it looks really cold. I'm okay, thanks." <laughs> <laughs> and and it's, it's it's also been in, pointed out by that point. This sword is a representation of her her heart, and so she, she's yeah. giving him his heart, and she's like, he's just like, "No, it's, it no, looks a bit right. looks a bit yeah, ice, like right. There's also or really like yeah, good... he's like yeah, he's rescued by this like elf girl who's yes. doing all the very <laughs> obvious sundry tropes, but like he got isekai'd before the concept of a sun became popular so you like his his nephew is like instantly clocks in there's like what she's saying all of these obvious lines but you, it's like oh no but it was too far it was too long ago you didn't know yeah going on here yeah you know you didn't, the trope didn't exist but then there's a really good bit where he talks about how he watched all of Evangelion and he's like that Asuka character man she was prickly but like she was somehow really hot like and then and then she was like oh no I have to change the conversation he's gonna realize soon that this is a Sundare like character and so he has to like quickly change it on top of the no. fact that like he's he's like a very traditional like uh, like otaku he's got like long hair from the 90s like long mm-hmm. hair and glasses oh, early 2000s and uh yeah he then is considered in the isekai world a goblin like they all think he looks <laughs> like an orc and like this really ugly person so they all instantly try to kill him it's like a lot of very well done very funny jokes that yeah builds on the yeah. tropes and the existing tropes that we all know from watching isekai and watching anime that this one guy doesn't because he's been in a coma for 17 years <laughs> and has been living this horrific world of of trying to get through rpgs without picking up on anything and uh i really love it i think it's really funny and it really uh, it really na- nails sort of like the isekai tropes and reverts it and uh yeah it it's maybe the best thing this season it's certainly the one that i'm mm. the most excited wow. for um, it's fun it's definitely fun it's just a lot of fun i really really yeah. like it i will um, will say that despite what you've said about it being quite cheaply animated um mm. it does have quite appealing character designs i i do yes, very much enjoy it. it's uh it's Meganico, uh childhood friend of mm. of, of the of the yeah uh yeah. she, she she like they, they've they've got their glasses girl all game down to a t it's 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 uh, along with uh appropriately flustered angry and confused looks like they, they've got their face game aim aim a a plus 
and so like that that carries a comedy a long way if you can get someone looking if you can get a reaction shot which which immediately makes you laugh then then you you're already doing something very right yeah and i feel that this just kind of like a lot of good comedy man like shows are cheap and they just their trade is is not like beautiful visuals but just getting those single frame punchlines down to a T and put on pat like I think uh you know Cromarty High School again very cheaply mm-hmm. done but mm-hmm. every every cut shot of like the Freddy character looking wistfully in the background is just very funny and done very well and mm. that's what this show does. I, right. Well, let's not talk about what's so fun. It is a funny show. It is very well done. Yeah. And I heartily recommend it to anybody. Uh, yeah. Moving on to something I don't know if I heartily recommend. Tepen is a weird show about um, the Bokeh Sukomi actors. Uh, and it is sort of like a weird comedy where instead of having, you normally have two Bokeh, in a Bokeh Sukomi sort of like comedy duo, but in this world, there's three and they're all girls and the comedy is kind of fine it's just it's just like a bit it's, if you if you like the bokeh sukomi stuff it's just that but with three different groups of people one of them thinks that there's aliens and there's quite a funny bit where there's they like try to try to call an alien down and then they all leave apart from one character who sees a like a spaceship and he's like shoo shoo not now not now uh so there's a, there's a, there's some funny jokes, but I, I don't really expect it to go anywhere. But it is kind of enjoyable. I don't know if I'd recommend it, but it's good. Um, is is there a thing... reason to watch this rather than Joshi Raku? No, Joshi Raku does well. It's it's just cuter. It's just more <laughs> about like it's more like idol than Joshi Raku is. Um, ah, okay. But uh, the one thing I haven't been watching, I think you've been watching. Jeff. Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer, which is on the list. Yeah. I wanted to watch it, but I kind of got, I think it was late and I was like, not another Shonen thing. I'll, I'll stop for now. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I went into it because John had spoken of Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer glowingly. Yeah. Um, I was Scotland, kind of, I was kind of 50-50 going into it just because like he also loves Overlord and I just bounced off that like rubber bouncing off something else that's also very bouncy and but i came into this kind of pleasantly surprised like it's the rare fighting anime where everybody is an adult you know parentheses Mm -hmm. question mark exclamation mark (laughs) (laughs) and yeah deniability (laughs) and but like the you know their their being adults is also sort of kind of the point. Like it's sort of again people on the fringe of you know proper polite society trying to you know do these you know hidden battles for their own purposes. Uh, the main character was sort of like you know he was raised sort of emotionally abused by his grandfather who like was. Like his parents, you know, his his father was a police officer and he was killed by his partner. Uh, his mother had a mental breakdown, disappeared. His grandfather raised him like, you know, be strong by yourself, never have friends, never have enemies. And so, you know, he was, you know, we were introduced to him as this guy, you know, in the middle of this funk who gets, 
you know, chosen, you know, by fate to be one of the ring knights to protect the world from the biscuit hammer, which is this giant golem in space that literally looks like a mochi hammer that's going to smash the world. And he gets, you know, fated, you know, paired by fate to this, you know, girl who happens to be his next door neighbor uh, to help her defeat this thing. Uh, and the reason, you know, the, the way that she sort of gets him to sign on is like, I want to be the one to destroy the world, not this biscuit hammer. I love the world, but I can't stand this, you know, the thought of it continuing without me. So I'm going to destroy it myself because that is my right as the princess. And, you know, so it starts off with this sort of very misanthropic sort of vibe to it, but very quickly it sort of begins to soften as, you know, people start sort of, you know, figuring out that maybe there's something more to this world than just your own personal problems. And like, so is, know, it, is it like a, they, they get kind of isekai then, or is it just that they've um, all lived in this world? So there, so there are these sort of animal knights that get paired up with random people who give them powers. Uh, the main character, Amamiya, he is trying to like uh, his his power is basically he can create this very small sort of like a disc of energy that he can use to propel himself or to propel other things. It's sort of like linked inherently to his own physical prowess, and a lot of the show has been him sort of like finding a reason to fight and finding a reason to like get up at five in the morning and like go jogging so that he can become physically more fit and become like more powerful in doing so and being confronted by these like horrible monsters that want to kill him and wanting to be more than just like dead weight for all the people who are around him. And, you know, he, you know, just sort of like you know, very organically, having a story about this kid who like wants to find a reason to live, even if at the beginning it's because like, Oh, I'm going to like help destroy the world. <laughs> you know, he's <laughs> constantly trying to think of ways to like get one over on the people around him in case they, you know, they become his enemies. You know, he's been sort of like poisoned by his grandfather's like venom over the years to like not really know how to properly be around others. And, you know, him sort of slowly reentering society is, part of it and like the the fighting is you know sort of more linked to that it's not a lot of you know there's one character who is introduced who's like this 28 year old guy who's still kind of doing part-time jobs but like he has spent a lot of his life doing martial arts and so he's very talented you know he the, the fact that he was picked to do this is very lucky for him because otherwise he would have no prospects whatsoever and you know he's you know he's a he's a wizard fighting but like you know and he sort of wears his heart on his sleeve but he is also just kind of a goof and a fuck up and everything else. And, you know, th them also sort of like, you know, coming together with all the other characters, you know, sort of rubbing off on each other and improving each other is, you know, it's, it's a fun dynamic. And a lot of the, you know, the fights are just like, you know, here's a random monster for them to like continue their character growth and less, you know, we have to like fight this thing and that being the point of the plot. So it's quite an old manga. actually. It's only, 20, 2000, uh, 2005 to 2010. Um, yeah, only 10, 10 volumes too, so we might actually yeah. get the whole run. It's, it's interesting that this has been picked up so late. I I have heard similarly, like, people really rave about it when it came and then ended and, and nothing's really come from it. So I, I do plan to pick it up 
uh, eventually. And the guy who wrote the manga also did Planet With, which I know had some fans here. Mm. Yeah, I yeah, think me and I'm John right. both enjoyed that. Maybe John enjoyed that partly because he, he was a big Biscuit Hammer fan beforehand. Um, but I I was quite interested before I saw the PV for the show, but the PV was really badly animated. Has the series improved at all, or is it, it kind of slideshowy? I would not describe it as a visual feast. Um, <laughs> though, because the fights are more plot, you know, it is more about advancing the plot than displaying, you know, exciting animation, it doesn't really affect my enjoyment of it too badly. Mm. It would be certainly nicer if it was, you know, better animated. But for the most part, you just have these like unappealing blob monsters sort of, you know, doing, you know, still frames and action shots while they barely dodge and things like that. And that that is like a lot of the fighting, unfortunately. But fortunately, that is not largely the point of the show. And so okay. it hasn't really made me too sad. Okay, then let's go ahead and take a break and we'll come back to talk about our unfortunately marquee anime that we're all watching this <laughs> season, which is the uh, Netflix uh, reboot <laughs> I mean, uh, y'all yeah, watching of... it. I ain't touching that shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's wise. Yeah. Uh, the Netflix reboot of uh, Bastard, which is a, a manga and an OVA from way back when. So see y'all in a bit. And we're back. For the second half, we're talking about an anime that came out on June 30th of this year, uh, Bastard Heavy Metal Dark Fantasy, which is a remake of the 1992 OVA Bastard. Um, I think it's got the same subtitle, but they don't translate it this time. I guess they're trying to distinguish. And both of those are based on the manga by Kazushi Hagiwara, uh, which was published in... Oh, God, it's still running? What? Okay, 19, 1988 until the present, apparently, uh, the manga Bastard. Uh, heavy Metal, Dark Fantasy. Uh, this is a anime uh, about a world that was destroyed by a demon who was summoned by all the excesses of modern society and brought everybody very neatly back to a medieval fantasy setting where... There's this rude new, rude dude. I almost called him a rude rude nerd, but yeah. Rude nude dude. Named Dark Snyder. Yeah. Rude, rude nude dude, Dark Snyder, um, who formally tried to conquer the world, but after being imprisoned in the body of a 14-year-old boy, uh, has decided to help stop his former lieutenants from releasing the demon who previously caused the cataclysm and causing another cataclysm 13 episodes are out now the concluding 11 uh, will be out in mid-september of this year and yeah 
what do people think of this piece of shit? <laughs> not to bias the argument, <laughs> to bias the conversation, but yeah, it's not very good. Know, it's very bad. Just, just, yeah. uh, just a quick note on the manga real quick. It is technically ongoing, but they've not released anything since 2012. Yeah, I, I can see that now in the in the Wikipedia summary. I was just surprised because like, yeah. uh, Jeff, when you were watching it, you were like, they didn't even adapt the whole thing, the, the whole breadth of what the OVA covered. And I'm yeah. like... I guess I don't remember much about I guess I should give my history and then y'all can react um, this was during my first supposedly it's one of the best selling mangas of all time well there wasn't much to buy in 1988 <laughs> <apparently>, <laughs> so, that's mean I'm sure the manga is funnier and better in every way than the TV show and I'll stop mm. these these lazy jabs which are below me really but uh, yeah so I watched this back in probably 2010 or so um it was one of those like classic ova chestnuts of like oh dude you gotta check this out there's this guy and he he, he doesn't afraid of anything and he's just like <laughs> so cool and i watched that this was during my like malcolm gladwell i would you know spend ten thousand hours become an expert on anything and so that meant i watched kaon which was good and i watched this which was f- the ova of this which was fine um I remembered vaguely liking it. I didn't think it was very good. I thought that six episodes was about what it needed. So I was curious what they would get out of 24 episodes, a full two core run. And um, we'll discuss that yeah. uh, very shortly. But yeah, I'm always interested in early, as in like late 80s, uh, Western fantasy and animation. We talked about this a bit during the Record of Lodos War episode way, way, way back when. There's this whole thing where when Lord of the Rings came over in the mid-70s, it didn't really make much of an impact. It was an esoteric kind of academic book um, for Japanese audiences. But when D&D uh, got brought over in uh, 10 years later in, in 1985 and the idea of replays, which are written transcriptions of uh, D&D sessions, basically proto-actual plays, if you know what those are, because the books and the dice were so rare. Um, it was actually interesting to find out that dice are kind of were kind of rare in Japan at the time, uh, of the kind that we consider. Uh, like, you couldn't get a D20. You have to import it from overseas, which is why so many Japanese homegrown pen and paper RPGs have, like, dice pools using D6s, because <laughs> God forbid you can get a D12 over there. So yeah, so like Lodos War comes out based on the group SNE replay. Uh, Slayers is the year after. Berserk is the year after that. This barely dates, predates Berserk, although it, although Berserk obviously has a lot of inspiration from it, especially in Gara, the ninja dude, which we'll cover in a bit. So yeah, it's very cool to see like Western culture uh, exports to Japan this new idea of fantasy uh, that's not this sort of stereotypical, like, Sino-Japanese fantasy uh, that we, we see otherwise. And just a bunch of people have basically the same story of just, like, a really explosively awesome dude who just, like, wrecks a society um, with how much he kicks ass. Uh, but there are very interesting stories, and this is the least of them. I like Slayers more than this, which is saying something. <laughs> uh, but, yeah... Uh, what do you all think of Bastard? Did you know about it before this came out? Uh, do you do you think it holds up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? I I'm fairly certain that Bastard is one of the things that like you know my mythical best friend's sister when I was you know an early teen had a whole bunch of like 
fan sub VHSs and Bastard was one of the things. And I think we watched <laughs> one episode and we were just kind of like, eh, it's kind of boring. Let's watch <laughs> Kenshin instead. And I never really went back to it. I knew it sort of like existed out there in the ether. Um, and then this, you know, Netflix announced that they were going to remake it. And I was like, okay, I'll go back and check it out. And I, so I've watched, you know, properly the whole OVA for the first time, you know, in 20 plus years. And I quite enjoyed the OVA. Like it's well animated, like the, you know, it's short, which, you know, you've said is, you know, a benefit <laughs> to it. So like, you know, the skeevy jokes don't overstay their welcome. The fights, you know, are not inspiring, but again, they don't really have a time to drag out that much. Uh, you know, the stupid heavy metal band references are just kind of like, you know, they'll fly by if you don't notice them, you know, if you blink and the, you know, and it's, yeah, it's just like, you know, like you were saying, it's a silly show about a strong guy, you know, shouting nonsense and blowing up the planet to, <laughs> you know, while there's also lots of like pretty girls around and, yeah, it's a very sort of, you know, whatever exploitation violence fest. And then I was like, all right, you know, now it's finally come out on Netflix. And I think I got through five episodes. Like I tried mightily to catch up, but I just could not bring myself to it because it's just the same exact thing with worse animation <laughs> and more filler. And like, I don't mm. even think it like looks any better. Like it's a little bit sharper, No, but like mm. it's, oh, it's, it's just, it's, it's a rough, rough thing to try and drag yourself through. Yeah. I don't want to go anime full anime old man, but like, yeah, it looks like the old hand drawn stuff looks better. Everything is like really relying on these procedural explosion. Like they don't look, I don't know. It's yeah. I think the, 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 the spells are, probably the biggest downgrade like in the original one they seem to actually take some some care in making a spell which sort of fits the description of it and fit and giving them all some unique character like the the venom spell sort of liquefying someone and it, it expl them exploding like this tidal wave of blood and in the new one no they just explode because yeah that, that that's a cheap effect and we can repeat it ad nauseum yeah, when when, uh, when Dark Schneider comes up with a new a power in the Netflix series, the Halloween, his new spell, I did not know that was a new spell. And then until, thankfully, the other people in the scene were like, oh, my God, that's a new spell. He invented a new spell on the spot. And I'm like, it's an explosion. Yeah. Y'all, it's an explosion. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's done like thousands of them. What are you talking about? Yeah. They say, oh, yeah, he's a fire mage. And, and all most of, he can only cast fire and lightning spells. And like, okay, sure, sure. But there's lots of things. Like, as anyone who's done any sort of like procedural game where you know you can do a lot of things with fire. A lot of very weird and <laughs> stupid things with fire fire and all they do is explosions now that might work in Konosuba but I want a bit more than just explosions um, yeah. and I feel like wait 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 is is she a parody of Dark Schneider is that what this is it works I mean, retroactively I, yeah I think she's a parody of like all of those characters like Lena Inverse yeah. and Dark Schneider and all those guys that's fair that's fair just once again making Megumi the, the best character in, <laughs> in, in Konosuba Go ahead, Duncan. Sorry. 
it probably has influenced more things than we'd like to to think because yeah. it was one of these proto shows as, as you've outlined and to see it it's now given a new longer run just kind of emphasizes how much everything's moved on since then like both in terms of its plots its references and just its structure you can feel that it's a, it's a D&D replay like there's the the scene which stuck out to me is like there's this they've attacked the ninja castle which and this giant minotaur jumps down and he spies in the back of the room a ladder behind the minotaur and it's just like oh someone spotted a convenient <laughs> detail to this room that that feels like like definitely something i've i've encountered in a tabletop game it's like oh yeah someone's passed a perception check i guess they and now now he's passed a persuasion check to get the guards to attack the minotaur and it, it just it doesn't feel like it has a dramatic reason for these things to happen it's just like but this is what happened of course, this is what's going to happen. This is just how how I got past this encounter in my game. So that's that's why it plays out this way, rather than this is the dramatic or the the exciting way to get past it. Yeah, it reminds me when I <laughs> Ben's going to derail things with an overly personal story. When I first discovered tabletop role playing in the fifth grade, uh, no one wanted to be DM, so we all did DMs on a rotational basis of each session someone else would be the DM. And all we ever did was just award each other like cool items and let in like let each other like die, like kill like awesome evil dudes. And and, and that's weird. It was a Star Wars RPG also. Western Games <laughs> uh, Star Wars was my first one, which is weird. Like one of us one of us just wanted Corellian cruisers he owned like 11 Corellian cruisers by the end of that quote-unquote campaign um but it feels a lot like that it feels like someone a dm who is just the biggest fan of dark schneider who is honestly a deeply annoying loser who does not earn any of the uh respect and admiration that the show just assumes that you have um the fact that like every single woman in his life is berating him for having a harem and this time around he doesn't even seem to really want a harem but he's just having one anyway because he's just that cool and he kills he kills every dude and beds every woman and he's never actually pushed to his limits except in the arche fight that ends the this core and even then it's not i, I don't know like I can't even really like think of how he beat the curse uh, of of her with the stupid blue nail spell, which is an inventive spell. Finally, as opposed to just like, oh, this is another form of lightning or this is another form of fire. But still, like, I don't know. I just <laughs> people make fun of Mary Sue's um, where they're like perfect and everyone loves them. But I think this sort of like female-coded Mary Sue is much more palatable than the male-coded Mary Sue, which is where he's a huge dickwad that nobody <laughs> likes, and, he's, and he still wins at everything, and people are just, like, forced by brute force to to accept that, like, you know, he's got a rude dude, you know, enjoy it or leave the kitchen, heat something. <laughs> the elephant in the room is that this is... Because Bastard is very much a... Um, something which has its sub its heavy its subtitle gives equal weight to heavy metal dark fantasy so the mm -hmm. metal part is the elephant in the room we haven't really talked about this to this point and one of the things metal 
loves is the lovable rogue of a mm. front man like the guy who is pure id who is a rebel without a cause just going out there doing whatever he wants to being free to do things without consequences and dark snyder never suffers consequences to anything he does and it i don't know whether <laughs> it actually has anything to say about that or not because in the original OVA, Gara calls him out on that in, in one of their fights. He, he goes, ah, oh, you, you've got all this power, but you act like a child. And the new version just seems to not even bother with that amount of commentary. It's just, you've got all this power. You've got all this power. Isn't that great? <laughs> and none of, the, none of the, the fact that, okay, maybe you shouldn't act like a child. Yeah. I mean, every character besides Arshis Ney is kind of driven by id in this show. Like... Everyone just wants, like, power and sex and control and power. And the fact that she is like, no, we're going to use that power to build a perfect society where no one will ever be discriminated against. And it's like, lady, your boss is, like, leading a yeah. <laughs> leading an army of monsters to free an embodiment of pure evil that wrecked civilization before. Like, how dumb are you? And it sucks that, like... Her having a more like sophisticated goal than just like I want I want to be the guy the game is that it, she looks stupid she looks she looks like an idiot like look at all of these these full grown toddlers throwing around explosion spells there's no way unless she kills every single one of them that she's ever going to make her utopia so why is that her motivation and it's it's I, I don't know it, it's so hard to like to spend so much time with Dark Schneider he. He just, I don't like the power fantasy. I don't, it's not even really a power fantasy because it's just so effortless. He's just like the best. He's been alive forever. Like he's older than almost everybody he interacts with because he's like hundreds and hundreds of years old because he keeps rebirthing himself. He's more powerful than anyone he's, he's met. Um, he's more greedy. He's just, he's just a person that's just a bunch of taped together superlatives. Mm -hmm. And I don't like him and I don't relate to him and I don't, find his struggle interesting and I almost invariably feel sorry for the person. Even that awful vampire with the face paint was in like his Amon Diamond. Like when he turns into a bat and 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 uh Dark Schneider immediately starts torturing him, I felt sorry for him because like yeah, this guy's a bully. And like you tried to be a bully too and the, the bigger bully out bullied you, but like I don't want to see that. Why is the comeuppance to to the vampire being a bully that like he gets even more but that's how Dark Shadow beats everybody. He beats the flame Ifrit by just being hotter than him. Yeah. <laughs> which is wild. He's a flame elemental. What is that? Yeah. Sorry. I'm, 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 they yeah, comment about that before the fight even. They go, ah, I've set him up to fight this flame elemental who he can't beat because he's a flame elemental. And, and, and <laughs> <laughs> he was just anyway. more fiery than the flame elemental. <laughs> flame because elemental. Have you ever thought you could be hotter than fire? Yeah. yeah. That's right. You didn't. But I did because I'm Dark Schneider. Fuck you. <laughs> I don't know. I it it's a very eighties thing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. It's like it's 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 a show that would be better as a like airbrush painting on the side of a van than twenty five episodes <laughs> on Netflix. Like that, that's like the amount of time that you want to spend with that kind of thing. Or it's like you goes by and it's like, yeah, that's badass. That like unicorn flying through space with like a 
chesty girl and a dude who's like shooting a lightning bolt out of his hand like the, the amount of time it takes to like drive past you is just like as much as you need and then you'd be like, yeah that's good i'm i'm happy i you don't need to spend 14 hours watching the shit on a streaming service yeah my my girlfriend accidentally walked oh, oh by the way winner for the worst thing for your girlfriend to walk in into you watching uh this year so oh, far God. maybe rent a girlfriend will beat it because she also walked in on the rook episode and she's like this is softcore porn i'm like yeah i mean <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but uh there's a story there yeah but but no but she walked in on the ed where it's just like it's like a it's like an evanescence music video but if you replace the whole band with five porn stars <laughs> naked porn stars because they're just like walking through this like black void with like like f- white feathers falling down in them, but they all just have like the ridiculous, like stapled on beach balls and like perfect, like wine glass figures. It just looks ridiculous. Like this is a, she's like, this is a fantasy anime. And I'm like, I mean, no, not really. Not, but not by it's my a very specific kind of fantasy. <laughs> not, not according to my hurriedly gin together, uh, hurriedly gin together definition of fantasy. This actually falls outside of it. This, um, this will I'll explain the rules to you later. In on them though. Let's face it. Like, there are, there are, he feels up Arshis so much. It's so weird. And she's like, oh, I remember my father boyfriend treating me like this for the happiest hundred years of my life. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm, I'm too old for this stuff at the end of the day. And it really scares me to think of the 15 year old boy who is like, I don't know, has a power boner coming off of this sort of thing. And it's like, yeah, Dark Snyder, kill everybody who's ever looked at you wrong. And it, That's what a badass it dude also does. really enjoys is having someone suck out the poison of a wound, which is is put in a suspiciously uh, low area. So, uh, just That's the scene you... before he goes in and beats the fire freak by being hotter than him, too. He was like, oh, I'm too weak. Suck out my poison. And then like five minutes later, he's like, yeah, I'm burning harder than the sun. Uh, uh, sorry, Andy. What? Wait, how long is... How long is an episode? Half an hour. Standard length. 20, 20, 23 oh, right, and a half. Yeah. When you were saying like 17 Oh, well, hours, well, when it's like, finished. When it's like hour, the whole episode. two cores. Mm. Oh, right. Right, I see, I see. Also, like, I wonder if this has come back because of the runaway success of Goblin Slayer. Uh, but funny you should mention, Andy, do you know who directed Goblin Slayer? Same, Same guy, guy did this. this? You, know, you know what else he directed? <laughs> this, is, this made me have like a come to Jesus moment. You know what else he's directed? Girls Last Tour. Red. Oh, it, well, I mean, this was really good, though. I got like half a second of surprise out of you, Andy. I'm going to treasure that <laughs> before I, your anime jadedness took over. Oh, this isn't actually that remarkable. <laughs> I mean, it's remarkable because Girls Last Tour is really good, and I still think about it a lot. Same. No, same. <laughs> Speaking of my girlfriend, like, I think she'll like that about like this like quiet, empty post-apocalypse where like humanity just kind of like ran out of batteries, mm. and like this is all that's left. As opposed to this post-apocalypse where it's like, wouldn't it be rad if every spell was named after a Metallica album? Uh, <laughs> One thing I did like about the OVA, as opposed to the, the, the Netflix series, is that the OVA, we did get to do a quick tour of all the kingdoms and uh, we get, mm-hmm. get all, all, the, all the dumb rock band names and uh, uh, Whitey Snakey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh the traditional jojo method where they don't want to say yeah. it exactly so they write yeah. the translation different yeah. to try yeah. and get it's away. the kingdom of metallicana yeah. uh, not metallica um they put a hyphen in there which i really <laughs> don't understand what the point is except to further obscure the but metallica is famously litigious they killed napster so <laughs> that makes sense 
Did you as did you ever listen to talking about Girls Last Tour real quick? Did you listen to Cutting the Branches for a Temporary Shelter? It's just two minutes, two songs that are 20 minutes long each, but they sound like, they just remind me of that Rain episode, where they just sort of like yeah, listen to the Rain hitting. And I, it's a really good episode, and it just reminds me of that for 20 minutes. I recommend it if anyone can. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just really funny that like that that girls last tour is so quiet and yes it has a lot of music we woven mm. into it that's a good point to make Andy but it is like a very quiet show about how like I don't know like the post apocalypse is pretty lonely and I I wish yeah. this post apocalypse in Bastard was lonelier I I don't need constant narration <laughs> from from the the three thoughts that hang around Dark Schneider about. <laughs> about like what he must be feeling right now as he fights yet another identical battle with another person who everyone's like, yeah, he can't beat this guy. He's nice now, so he can't win battles anymore, which is fucked when it comes to masculinity. But I think you have <laughs> had some thoughts about that, right, Duncan? Yeah, I mean, I think the they call themselves, the, the, the bad guys, they call themselves the Dark Rebel Army. And the, the big question is, well, what are you rebelling against? Like... If, if, what if you got <laughs> indeed <laughs> I, I, I wanted someone to do that and you did jeff you didn't fail me thank you to extent that that is is true but i think going back to the old D alignment chart the thing which metal uh, always always rebels against is lawful evil like it that that and it's it's notable that in bastard that it's ultimate it's human bad guy is um, Abigail, who's very much like dressed. He's like a necromancer, and he's dressed very much like a priest. Uh, I'm assuming he's, he's he's a Judas priest, most likely. Um, but uh, you're right. Yeah, um, and he don't let my sighing stop you, Duncan. Please, <laughs> I'll just do it on my own. Yeah. <laughs> this this idea that traditional Western masculinity has has like two divergent strands to it. There's there's like the pure id part, which is just like okay, you want to fight, you want to fuck. You see women as as objects, and you just want to indulge your wishes. And metal loves that. Metal loves just like the pure and fettered id. But there's also the, the the other side of Western masculinity, which is like you've got to be a provider. You've got to endure pain, and misery. You've got to uh, work hard, and do what you're told. And and metal fundamentally rejects all that half of it. And so it has this strange thing of of both being a kind of masculinity which is both very traditional but also eschews some of the most traditional elements of it. And I think one of the points where that comes through is is Gara, because Gara starts out as this... Well, in in the OVA, at least, we actually get some background mm-hmm. on Gara, and we see he starts out as this very devoted martial arts practitioner practitioner he's being taught to how to become the strongest fighter by his dad and he's a loyal servant of his his kingdom and that's like a, a that's that makes him a, a hero of most most fantasy tales like he's and the point where he, he confronts dark snyder is essentially ends in snyder going yeah but do you not just have more fun fighting <laughs> and 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 Gara going yeah I'd be a terrible king. I'd neglect my kingdom just as badly as the current king does. So I may as well just follow you and have fun fighting. And that seems to be its its particular thing. Like, just go out, have fun, do whatever the hell you want to. Um, and Dark Snyder, as you say, Ben, he 
it all comes easily to him because he's functionally immortal with unlimited power. <laughs> that That's the ultimate yeah. in freedom. There are, is literally no consequences. He can't die. He can't fail. He will succeed in everything he does. It's just talked itself into like this dead end where there can never be any peril because there's never any threat to him. And, and so where does the drama come from? How he's going to do it? Now, how how he's going to beat someone can be interesting if you've put the craft into the, the spells and the fights, but the newest version seems to have filed off all the interesting parts of those fights. And Yeah, like, they, like the, the closest they ever come to there being, you know, peril to him is to threaten the, you know, the three thoughts that were, you know, previously mentioned with violence, which, of course, only just proves to make him more powerful and more, you know, easily overcoming things you know this ends with him tearing his own heart out to break the curse on what's her face and then in the ova like the next episode he literally just comes back to life because he gets so mad at the idea of those people being under peril again you how a dead guy can get mad about something who knows he's just that cool and badass i mean that's a thing which actually happened and I I just don't know. It's just so much so much bluster, and so little, little content. And like I I can see the appeal in that, and like just wanting to have have a show which is just fun, which is just escapism, where you finish your day at work and you just watch something and it's fun. But bastard isn't fun. It's it's lost that somewhere along the way, and I I just don't know. I can't quite locate where it lost that. Yeah, I I was moderately lukewarm about the OVA so when I quickly began dreading the Netflix series episodes because they would have the same format every time which is that it looks like he's going to be beaten and then like Sentai style just like decides to win Um, but I don't remember that being the pattern of the OVA I remember there being more texture and more characters and it wasn't just Dark Schneider losing until he like flips on the badass switch, um, usually because he's pissed about something relating to his own extreme vanity. Uh, <laughs> like I, I almost am afraid to watch the OVA, but I think that it would leave me with better feelings than me. Literally yesterday, just finished the thirteen episodes on Netflix, and I was like, "Well, that was an anime." Um, sure, glad that he he reconciled. Uh, his his daughter slash lover slash enemy to the idea of a harem again just because he's so nice and actually does love her even though he just actually does love every single woman in his life because uh he's that badass he can beat every fight why can't he woo every woman this is a hundred percent video game clear strategy of storytelling yeah yeah that that's that's very true and uh, there's moments where you th- you start to think oh it it, it does it does have something to say about that, like the fact that Dark Snyder isn't just Dark Snyder. He's also Lucian, this mm-hmm. boy. And and having your lead hero functionally be a child is making a comment, but it just seems to get pushed further into the background the longer that the series goes on, the less time he spends as Lucian. And it, it's just, from the, in the later episodes, he's just functionally just Dark Snyder 100% of the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was actually going to bring up like two questions, one serious and one a little more silly. The serious one is how do you feel that Lucien and Yoko operate in the story? Are they literally just like 
shadows of Dark Schneider's personality functionally when it comes to how they're used, or is the like Yoko Lucian romance with a question mark beside it? Like, does that do anything? And the second question I'll actually answer afterwards. If anyone has any ideas, or we can cut this. <laughs> I mean, the Lucian stuff mostly just seems to exist to ground Dark Schneider in any kind of consequence whatsoever, and also to facilitate the occasional slapstick of Yoko being the only one who can push him around and bully him, make him do things that he doesn't want to do, which largely operates as a either a punchline or as like a plot contrivance. And yeah, I mean, okay, I, I the, the few <laughs> times that I did get laughs out of Bastard, it's you know when that dynamic flips and she's smacking him around and bonking him on the head and kicking him in the butt to do something decent for once. And then the yeah. the show dares to make her feel bad about that because it, she worries it's weakened him for the fight that's coming to chide a guy who like literally gets down on yeah. all fours to sniff her crotch. Yeah. It's obvious that Yoko's named Yoko for a reason. Like, she's named after Yoko Ono. Like, and what what is Yoko Ono known in popular culture for? for well, for wrecking a band. And for being an artist. Should be, but isn't. <laughs> yeah. Properly speaking, but in terms of the really, like, weird funhouse version of of rock history that Bastard's drawing from, she's definitely the spoil sport. Who's ruining everything? Yeah, yeah, and and that's what she seems to get used at, at a, most of the time. It's like to show some responsibility. I mean, the fact that you've said Lucian is an anchor, which in a better show there would be some threats to Lucian, which he couldn't get out of by immediately transforming into Dark Snyder. But no, we never get that because <laughs> it's whenever Lucian's in under threat, it's just like, oh, he's got angry now and Dark Schneider's come out. And it's just like the, the rules of when Dark Schneider can be summoned and just get looser and looser as the show goes on. Well, yeah, I, no, because we're, we're literally told that uh, he can break the seal because the seal was made by the goddess of love. And so if he tries to break the seal for reasons of love then it works because the goddess has no defense against her own power, I guess, which is one mm. of the more, which feels honestly like a D and D hand wave. So good for them. They captured the spirit of their source material again. <laughs> Cause like, Oh yeah, it seems like a bad idea that if someone loves something, then they can just break your magic spell. But who knows? Maybe in this asshole world where everyone's an asshole, you, you have less threat of that. I mean, that does sound like quite a cool gimmick, I guess. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, feel, but it's a, the way that it's wrapped up in the rest of the show feels a bit. It's also delivered yeah. like after he's broken the seal like multiple times as being like, oh yeah, this is why it's happening, by the way. This in, inviolable seal is actually pretty porous. So, one thing I noticed of a difference between the, um, OVAs and the, the Netflix show is that the Netflix show is far more interested in, bringing in a far larger harem for him to romance than the OVAs were. Like, um, so like Kai and, uh, and, and Sean, uh, the, 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 the blonde and the, the blonde, uh, femme fatale and the dark haired, uh, tomboy who are Ashesnay's, um, uh, subordinates, uh, each get a, a, a little, all, arc to them where they're they're seduced by dark dark snyder and all those episodes seem to do is to let him seduce a woman in a different way and this i i don't know they at times like the characters are actually kind of enjoyable like i i i quite like um sean like she's 
she acts like she knows more than she does there's like the, the, the their big joke is like oh they do this scene where she, which is it's just making out like they're they're having sex but in fact he just bit bit her ear and she was so flushed that it, it, she reacted and that's not the like i think considering <laughs> just how over the top these shows go with that thing it it was kind of funny it sort of going all in and then going nah nah psych well i mean that was a joke so nice they made it thrice they kept bringing up like oh i haven't really touched yeah. her and, and that's the problem ben yeah well when you got when you have a, a whole show to pad rather than a six episode ova you've got to got to include every single joke and tell it again for the other people who didn't hear it the first time yeah 13 episodes like the fact they they got less far in 13 episodes than they did in five of of the ova is just crazy the ova def, definitely has better pacing and this is just stretched too thin and yeah yeah uh, that makes sense to wrap that up then and we will probably at least i will unfortunately revisit this in september but don't worry i will have the uh tatami galaxy sequel to to keep my spirits high Uh, coming out like the day before awesome um but gonna be everyone who's watched everyone who's watched uh this can you tell me what your favorite character and your least favorite character in bastard are and the short explanation why let's just go around and have the full aa experience here favorite character uh i I like gara (laughs) i like i like gara because he actually seems to have a modicum of self-examination which obviously dark snyder doesn't and as as ben alluded to in the the start he has a really good design so good in fact that um uh, uh, the berserk it was stolen and berserk basically ripped it off uh, very successfully for a, a, a massive uh, career it, like the fact that you you get a, a a ninja with spiky shoulder pads yeah that, that's the thing that's the kind of sort of like late 90s design which i i will very much enjoy and he's um, and he's like a big buff guy too he's not like the like slinky small ninja like he could also fight you hand, yeah. like toe to toe which he does and your least and your least favorite character least favorite character is probably dark schneider <laughs> i should have made this test easier by saying you can't say dark schneider for either answer <laughs> but fair duncan you caught me <laughs> why why don't I'm you like dark schneider duncan just just put it in a nutshell because the same reason I like Gara, because Gara is like a more interesting version of Dark Schneider, and you can't put a more interesting version of a character in the same show as the character <laughs> and not expect it to make him look bad. But he only and has two Gara's times. Just... He only has two types of characters, which are man and woman. So what did you expect, Duncan? <laughs> oh, uh, I think, uh, favorite character probably Yoko, because she has a character occasionally and. <laughs> as like you know it does it is not just omnipotent and can't just do whatever she wants whenever she wants um at least favorite character is probably like the copy and pasted like guy with a weird like bowl cut villain who dark snyder oh, just walks the first through one? or like i mean there's like three yeah. of that guy <laughs> like there's yeah, like that's true like yeah like like I think they just like I think they just combine them into one character for the OVA, but like all of the like the nameless generals who show up and then get owned by Dark Schneider to show how buff he is, is probably my least favorite guy because like <laughs> all the other villains at least like have a design and a reason to be there. Everybody else just shows up, goes ha ha ha! I'm here to destroy you. Oh no, I'm being destroyed. The end. Yeah, you can't possibly beat me. I'm the strongest wizard. Oh wait, no, you're Dark Schneider. Ah. Oh. 
Yeah. Oh, Osborne. <laughs> yeah. For me, my my favorite character, and this is again cheating, but I, I like Carrie Harn, the girl who initially presents as a guy and he duels duels her as a guy and then all her armor gets knocked off because it's bastard and it turns out she's a girl and he treats her completely differently. I like her because she reveals the awful cracks in this terrible TV show. And my least favorite character, um, I hate to say it, but I hate the vampire guy. He's really obnoxious and he sticks around for more episodes than the bowl cut guys. So he's yeah. objectively worse. But if it weren't that, it, I don't know, the dragon side, I, I, I shouldn't do this. I, I, I hate everybody. Um, Yoko's okay. You hate uh, them all equally. And Gar's okay. But yeah, y'all are mostly All taught. your least favorite children. Sheila, who goes from being raised that Dark Schneider's the most evil person to having having ever lived, to being like, maybe marrying him is the key to saving my kingdom. Like, <laughs> have a consistent characterization. But that might be asking too much from Bastard. And on that note, <laughs> let's go ahead and wrap it up there. Andy, also... Why do you wait until I already say that? Go ahead, Andy. Well, I just... What is that, What is everyone's fate recommendation for this week? Nothing. I'm watching crap. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of... It's a bad... It's a depressingly bad season. Watch the- where the only thing I can really recommend is either Isekai Uncle or Call of the Night. I don't know if I can recommend anything. I might watch Call of the Night. That everyone else. I can't watch like Horus Recoil because it'll it'll bother me. The gun stuff will bother me. It won't be accurate enough for me. So <laughs> you you'll like Call of you'll like Call of the Night. I gotta watch something I don't I it's don't openly like, hate. Otherwise, um, I will really lose my reputation among our fans. And, and watch Isa. I feel I feel like you'll really like Isekai Uncle because <laughs> it feels like Isekai Uncle's harpooning the stuff that you actively hated about heavy metal. I just don't like the art. Um, I think the art looks bad. Uh, I don't like it very much. Yeah, it does. It does look a bit bad, but it's it 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 makes it unique and enjoyable. It 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 is a testament to this podcast. That I'm actually considering going from two two shows. A season to, to four shows i gotta save up my energy for next season that one's gonna kill us <laughs> oh next season's killer yeah chainsaw man's gonna... there's just so many sequels this this season yeah. like the shows which i i i'm i would be happy to watch but i just don't have like the the time to get around to them like there's a kakaguri uh sequel coming out later and there's a there's a Shadow House sequel, and I really enjoyed Shadow House, but I just haven't got round to it yet. And more importantly, though, there is a, a speaking of stuff on Netflix, which I am actually looking uh, looking forward to. There's uh, a, a Rilakkuma uh, sh- uh, a sequel coming out, and I I need my stop motion bears, and that's that's very oh, important. Yeah. Uh, is going to be good. Yeah, um, him yeah, and Molka. Uh, that's that's what uh, Netflix uh, uh, anime's best are. There's, there's also they announced a uh, lazy egg one, which is mm, escaped yeah. my mind. Uh, Gudetama, yeah. and Gudetama anime coming out as well. It's going to be fucking banging. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, less anime this season means I've got more time for interesting Western stuff like the Sandman, which I am nervously. Uh, that's been that's that's for. probably that's been like I've got the entire series on my shelf, and like it's probably going to be terrible. Let's 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 not let's not not think about which part of my childhood Netflix is going to ruin next. So many options. <laughs> <laughs> ben, you sound so dead. <laughs> Look, I had to talk about two anime I really don't like, 
and I'm watching an anime I also don't really like. I haven't watched a good anime in a while, so I'm I need to I need a, a win. I downloaded Aria, so we'll see if Aria the animation can cheer me up after I finish Heavy Object, which you may hear about on this podcast. Just watch just watch Cooler the Night and Well I'm well yeah, maybe, uh, but I haven't uncle. watched them yet, and I can't trust y'all. Y'all think some anime that's <laughs> flatly terrible yeah. is good, and I don't know why why our listeners listen to us. But but they do, <laughs> and we appreciate that. So remember, rate, review, and subscribe to us say. on the podcast platform for choice. Email us questions at keyframespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at keyframespod. Uh, find us on Facebook. Search for Keyframes Podcast. And, of course, tell a friend. But not just any friend, Ben. If I were you, I'd name the friend who likes to name everything after favorite band. <laughs> I think that would be really cool and edgy. You actually like JoJo's, so that's that doesn't even count because you think it's cool. <laughs> yeah, annoyingly, but they they set it out and then Bastard just sort of ruined. Did it. they? Did, is JoJo's predate Bastard? Does JoJo's it must? I bet. I bet it doesn't. I bet it doesn't. Yes, oh, it does by like definitely. a year. Oh wow. <laughs> did you do you think he was like shit? And he was like erasing all the names for all the characters in his manga. He's like, that's awesome. But. <laughs> But stands didn't exist until season until the the sort of second arc of of JoJo's. So did the you, second you, arc few days? Yeah. Everybody in the about? first arc is named we'll after start stands with third. Arc. Yeah, Dio and yeah, Speedwagon. Start, you got Dio Speedwagon. Fake JoJo's yeah, fan. True, Even man. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Tell your friend who's a fake JoJo's oh. fan about our podcast. <laughs> I'm I'm a fake JoJo's fan. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm an actual JoJo's fan. <laughs> Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. Weird one.